Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, starting a new botanical uh, method aquarium is an exciting, fun, and interesting time, and the process of creating your aquarium is shockingly easy, decidingly unstressful, and extremely engaging. The main ingredients that you need are vision, a bit of knowledge, and patience. Bringing your tank from a clean, dry, static display to a living, breathing microcosm filled with life is an amazing process. This, to me, is the most exciting part of keeping botanical method aquariums. Now, how do we usually do it in the aquarium hobby? I mean, for many hobbyists, we've been doing it the same way for years. We've been more or less indoctrinated to rinse your substrate, age water, arrange wood and rocks, and add plants, if that's in your plants, and then add the fishes, something like that. And that works, of course. It's the basic formula that we used for over a century in the hobby. Yet, I'm surprised how we as a hobby have managed to turn what, to me, is one of the most inspiring, fascinating, and important parts of our aquarium hobby journey into what's more or less a checklist to be run through, an obstacle, really, to our ultimate enjoyment of our aquarium. When you think about it, setting the stage for life in our aquariums is the single most important thing we do. It's the whole game. If we utilize a different mindset and deploy a lot more patience for the process, we start to look at it a bit differently. I mean, sure, you want to rinse sand as clean as possible. You want to make sure that you have a piece of wood that's been soaked for a while. And wait, do you? I mean, sure, if you don't rinse your sand carefully, you'll get some cloudy water for weeks. No argument there. And if you don't clean your driftwood carefully, you're liable to have some soil or other dirt get into your system and more tannins possibly being released, which leads to... Well, what does it lead to? Does it lead to some kind of impending disaster? Does having dirt in your tank spell doom for the aquarium? I mean, an aquarium is not a sterile habitat. Let's just not fool ourselves about this. The natural aquatic habitats, which we attempt to emulate, although comprised of many millions of times the volume of water that we have and throughput in our aquariums, they're typically not pristine, right? I mean, soils from the surrounding terrestrial environment carry with them decomposing matter, leaves, etc. All that stuff, which impact the chemistry, oxygen carrying capacity, biological activity, and of course, the visual appearance of the water. And that's kind of what our whole botanical method aquarium adventure is all about. Utilizing that imperfect nature of the materials at our disposal and fostering and appreciating the natural interactions between terrestrial and aquatic realms which occur. Now, granted, the wild aquatic habitats benefit from the dissolution of millions of gallons or liters of throughput, but The processes which impact closed systems are essentially the same ones that influence the wild ecosystems. Of course, much like nature, our botanical method aquariums make use of the ingredients found in the abundant materials which comprise the environment. And the infusion of these materials into the water and the resulting biological processes which occur are literally what make our tanks come alive. And yeah, it all starts with the nitrogen cycle. Now, we can embrace the mindset that every leaf, every piece of wood, every bit of substrate in our aquariums is actually a sort of a catalyst for sparking biodiversity, function, and yeah, sure, a new vision of aesthetics. So, look, I'm not saying that we should not rinse sand or soak wood before adding to our tanks. What I am suggesting is that we just don't lose our shit if our water gets a little turbid because we didn't sterilize the damn thing before adding it, or if there's a bit of botanical detritus accumulating on the substrate in our tank over time. Guess what? We don't have to start a tank with brand new, right from the bag, substrates. Of course not. This is, you know, something we've known for a while. We can utilize some old substrate from another tank. We've done this in the hobby for years for the purpose of jump-starting bacterial growth. 
and you know, for the, also for the purpose of providing different a different sort of aesthetic as well. This is something that we know, and you can and should take it further. Use that slightly fungal covered piece of wood or or algae encrusted rock in your brand new tank. This helps foster a habitat more favorable to the growth of microorganisms, more fungi, and other creatures which comprise an important part of our closed aquarium ecosystems. In fact, in a botanical method aquarium, facilitating the rapid growth of such biota is foundational. It's the very thing that we want to do. It's something that we should simply view as an essential part of the startup process. Excuse me. And from a purely aesthetic standpoint, it's okay for your tank to look a little bit, you know, worn from the start. This is a definite version of the Amano-inspired Japanese concept of wabi-sabi, the acceptance of transience and imperfection. In fact, I think most of us would actually prefer that. It's okay to embrace this from a functional and aesthetic standpoint. Employ good husbandry, careful observation, and common sense when starting and managing your new aquarium. This is not rocket science. But don't over-obsess over pristine, especially in those first hours and days. The aquarium still has to few, clear you know, a few metaphorical hurdles in order to be a stable environment for life to thrive. Now, I'm operating on the assumption, <laughs> gulp, <laughs> that most of us have a basic understanding of the nitrogen cycle and how it impacts our aquariums. However, maybe we don't have all that all have that understanding. I mean, I know in the past some people have labeled my ramblings as moronic by you know before, so it's no biggie for me as said moron to give a very oversimplified review of the cycling process in an aquarium. Let's just touch on that for just a second here. So during the so-called cycling process, ammonia levels will build and then suddenly decline as the nitrite forming bacteria multiply in the system. Because nitrate forming bacteria don't appear until nitrite is available in sufficient quantities to sustain them, nitrite levels continue to climb dramatically as the ammonia is converted and keep rising as the constantly available ammonia is converted into nitrite. Once the nitrate-forming bacteria multiply in sufficient numbers, nitrite levels decrease dramatically. Nitrate levels start to rise and the tank is considered fully cycled. Of course, the process of creating and establishing your aquarium's ecology doesn't end there. There's more to it. With a stabilized nitrogen cycle in place, the real evolution of the aquarium begins. This process is constant, and the actions of nature in our aquariums facilitate changes. And our botanical method systems change constantly, trust me. They change over time in very noticeable ways as the leaves and botanicals break down and change shape and form. The water's going to darken as tannins are released, and Often there's almost a patina of haziness to the water along with the tint, the result of dissolving botanical material and perhaps a bloom of microorganisms which consume them. This is perfectly analogous to what you see in the natural habitats of the fishes that we love so much. As the materials present in the flooded forests, ponds, and streams break down, they alter it biologically, chemically, and even physically. Excuse me. It's something that we as aquarists have to accept in our tanks, which is not always easy for us, right? Decomposition, detritus, biofilms, all that stuff looks so, well, different than what we've been told over the years is proper for an aquarium. And it's as much a perception issue as it is a husbandry one. I mean, we're talking about materials from decomposing botanicals and wood as opposed to uneaten food, fish waste, and stuff like that. So let's draw a distinction. I love that more and more hobbyists are grasping this concept. I've heard the hashtags like Detritus Tuesday or, you know, Biofilm Monday or whatever people are saying on Instagram and so forth. 
people like this stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. What's really cool about this is that in our community, we aren't seeing hobbyists freak out over some of the aesthetics previously associated with dirty. It's fundamental. The understanding that we're helping to foster an ecosystem, not just setting up an aquarium, changes your perspective entirely. And soon after your tank begins operation, you'll see the emergence of elegant yet simple life forms like bacterial biofilms and fungal growths. We've long maintained that the appearance of biofilms and fungi in your botanicals and wood are to be celebrated, not feared. They represent a burgeoning emergence of life, albeit one in its lowest and to some perhaps most unpleasant looking forms, but that's a really big deal. I talked about this before, but we'll say it again. Biofilms form when bacteria adhere to surfaces in some you know, form of watery environment and begin to excrete a slimy, <clears throat> excuse me, glue-like substance consisting of sugars and other substances that can stick to all kinds of materials, such as, well, in our case, botanicals. It starts with a few bacteria taking advantage of the abundant and comfy surface that leaves and seed pods, even driftwood, have to offer. The early adapters sort of put out a welcome mat for other bacteria by providing a more diverse adhesion site, like a matrix of sugars that holds the biofilm together. Since some bacteria species are incapable of attaching to a surface on their own, they often anchor themselves to the matrix or directly to their buddies who arrived at the party first. Now, I've referred to this a lot, and just recently we called this period of time when biofilms emerge and your tank starts coming alive, the bloom it's a most appropriate term, and it's one that conjures up a beautiful image of nature unfolding in our aquariums. You know, your miniature aquatic ecosystem blossoming before your very eyes. We see this bloom in uh, botanical method aquariums, and we see it in my beloved reef tanks as well. It's a literal explosion of lower life forms, creating the microcosm, which supports all of the life in the aquarium. So the real positive takeaway here on biofilms uh, for the millionth time is that there are really... A sign that things are working right in your aquarium, a visual indicator that natural processes are at work helping forge your tank's ecosystem. I remember about a year or so ago, I had a discussion with our friend Alex Frankie. His beautiful Igarape-themed aquarium bloomed beautifully with biofilms, fungal growths, and settlements, settle, settlements, sediments working together to create a stunning and, I don't know, very natural functioning and apparent ecosystem and he wasn't repulsed at all he was awed and fascinated by this he celebrated what was occurring in his tank he has a pretty intimate understanding of the ecological process and replaced fear and loathing with excitement and boy did people love this tank it's been featured all over social media and it's just completely different than the typical high concept aquascape it has a high concept hardscape but it's real celebration is the lower life forms. Again, Alex, <clears throat> excuse me, is a hardcore aquascaper. And to see him marveling and rejoicing in this bloom of biofilms in the tank is really remarkable. He gets it. And it turns out that our love of biofilms is shared by some people who really appreciate them as food. You know, people that keep shrimp. Yeah, these people, you know who you are. They go out of their way to cultivate and embrace, bio, and embrace biofilms and fungi as food sources for their shrimp. They get it. And this makes perfect sense because... They're so abundant in nature, particularly in habitats where shrimp naturally occur, which are typically filled with bio, you know, botanical materials, fallen tree trunks, decomposing leaves, a perfect haunt for biofilm and fungal growth. Nature celebrates this bloom as well. <clears throat> There's something truly remarkable about natural processes, you know, playing out in our own aquariums as they've done in, for eons in the wild. Remember, it's all part of the game when you're working with a botanical influenced aquarium. It's, I don't know, 
fun again I, I keep using the word fundamental but you'll gradually see an accumulation of all kinds of materials in your tank organic detritus similar to what you encounter in wild aquatic habitats various organisms make use of this fine particulate matter by filtering it from the water or accessing it in the sediments that result those become part of your tank these alochthonous materials support a really diverse food chain that's almost entirely based on our old friend detritus yes i said detritus again the sworn enemy of the traditional aquarium hobby misunderstood bearer of life of the aquatic habitat the very definition of this stuff as accepted in the aquarium hobby is kind of sketchy in this regard it's not flattering at the least it's defined as dead particulate organic matter typically includes the bodies or fragments of dead organisms as well as fecal material detritus is typically colonized by communities of microorganisms which act to decompose or remineralize the material that's from the aquarium wiki kind of a good source of definitions if you will but yes it doesn't sound too great i mean it, you know it doesn't but i mean fecal material and dead orga organisms yeah not surprisingly a number of hobbyists <laughs> think that's so bad but i'm not buying it why is this necessarily a bad thing could there be some upside to this stuff the Latin word is really weird too. It means rubbing or wearing away. Okay, but really, is that bad? I mean, even in that definition I just gave you, the part about it being colonized by communities and microorganisms which act to decompose or remineralize it is really important. It's being processed. It's being utilized. What do these microorganisms do? They eat it. They render it inert. And in the process, they contribute to the biological diversity and arguably even the stability of a system. So some of them are utilized as food by other creatures. It's pretty important in a closed system, I think. This is really important. It's part of the biological operating system of our aquariums, if you will. It's also known that detritus may be formed by, you know, some types of bacterial aggregations. These may result from the feeding activity of animals, but often they're simply the result of bacterial growth. Detritus can be composed of inorganic mineral grains resulting from the action of animals burrowing into wood, for example, or botanicals, or from ingested larger mineral grains of material, which are only partially dissolved via digestion. That's not all bad, right? I know that uneaten fish, food, and poop accumulating in a closed system can be problematic if overall husbandry issues aren't attended to. I know that it can decompose. I know that it could overwhelm the biological filtration capacity of the tank if left unchecked. And that can lead to a smelly, dirty-looking system with diminished water quality, blah, blah, blah. I know that. You know that. In practice, in fact, pretty much everyone in the hobby has known that for generations. Yet, as a hobby, we've really sort of heaped detritus into this catch-all descriptor, which has an overall bad content, you know, connotation to it. Like anything that's allowed to break down in the tank and accumulate is bad. Anything that looks like dirt is, well, dirty, dangerous, and should be, you know, treated accordingly. Now, dirty-looking and dangerous are two very different things, right? Do natural habitats look dangerous to the life forms which reside in them? I don't think so. Some of them look dirty, though. In botanical method aquariums, if most of what's accumulating your you know, mechanical filter media or on the substrate and so forth is just broken up decomposing bits of botanicals, I'd have little concern. That's what happens to terrestrial materials in an aquatic environment. It's normal for these types of aquariums. As we've discussed ad infinitum here, various organisms like fungi, etc. work to break down these materials and begin that decomposition process. I think we should embrace this, especially in a botanical method aquarium, which essentially runs on the decomposition of materials. Now, if you're one of those hobbyists who allows your leaves and other botanicals to break down completely in the tank, what happens? Do you see a decline in water quality in your well-maintained system? 
a noticeable uptick in nitrate or other signs that your water quality is degrading? Does anybody ever do water tests to confirm the detritus is dangerous theory, or do we simply rely on what they say in books and hobby forums? Is there ever a situation, a place, or a circumstance where leaving detritus in play is actually a benefit as opposed to a problem? I think so. Now, I'm just one guy, but I personally haven't had issues with the complete decomposition of botanicals and leaves being left to accumulate in my aquariums. In almost three decades of playing with this stuff and being a hardcore water quality testing reef keeper during much of that time, I can't ever, ever recall a time where the decline of a system I maintain could be pinned specifically on the detritus from decomposing botanical materials as some causative factor in reducing the water quality. I just can't. With this undefined detritus that you may see, however, do you have a phosphate or nitrate issue resulting from accumulating organics from this stuff? Or is some of it, enough of it, being utilized by bacteria and other unseen residents of your aquarium that it's not really a problem from an environmental standpoint? What does the test kit say? Do you have massive excess algae growth, a depressed oxygen level in your tank? Or does it just look, I don't know, sloppy to you, just somehow not attractive? Is this another case of us in the aquarium hobby making a grand pronouncement like, oh, it looks shitty, so it's always bad yet again? I think so. <laughs> Detritus, I went on and on. Menace or benefit? Well, or perhaps something in between, like biofilms, fungal growth, afuks, and decomposition. Is it something that's inevitable, natural, perhaps even beneficial in our aquariums? Or is it something that we should learn to embrace and appreciate? All part of natural processes and, yes, aesthetic that we have to understand to appreciate. The natural habitats seem to have plenty of this stuff. Fellow hobbyists keep asking me my thoughts about it, and I admit they've evolved over the years. I think, like so many things, in moderation are pretty good, even things that we've historically freaked out about. Yes, I know that's hardly a scientific conclusion, but I think it's a valuable perspective uh, from an aquarium management point. It's about moderation. It's about going beyond the superficial. Of course, if you're allowing large quantities of food and fish poop to accumulate in your aquarium, that's a totally different distinction. These materials accumulating will contribute to nitrate and phosphate accumulation in closed aquatic systems and ultimately drive down the pH and oxygen levels unless removed or acted upon by organisms residing in the aquarium. So our love of detritus shouldn't be a surrogate for poor husbandry. Never, never, never. I've always been a firm believer in some form of nutrient export being employed in every single tank I start up and maintain. Typically, it's regular water exchanges, and not when I think about it, or periodically, mind you, it's weekly. So yeah, I'm not saying that you could essentially disobey all the common sense husbandry practices we come to know and love in the hobby, like not overcrowding or overfeeding or whatever, and just change the water weekly and everything's good either. That's, that's crappy. Water changes are helpful. However, they're not a panacea for all the potential ills of a poorly managed tank. You need to master the well-known basics of aquarium care. You know, period. You know this, of course, right? Again, water exchanges are part of the process which creates an amazing aquarium. Common sense, acceptance of things we've been told to fear, and fostering a greater understanding of aquatic ecology and its role in aquariums are so important for us to embrace here, along with patience, like heaps of it. Learning to go slowly, to observe, and to wait for your ecosystem to unfold instead of racing off to some self-imposed finish line for your aquarium. I mean, as if there is a finished aquarium, right? Now, I think we're collectively afraid to wait, afraid to let things happen, to evolve. We want it done. We want it done now. Look, I'm going to beat the impatience out of you if it's the last thing we do here. And I'm going to call us out as a hobby. Absolutely. Here it goes. It's a segment of the hobby. You're going to hate me. But what else is new, right? 
I absolutely 100% blame this on the hardcore aquascaping world who feature these instant masterpiece scapes on social media and make little to no mention whatsoever about the time required for an aquarium to cycle, to process nutrients, to go through the not so attractive phases. You know, hey, hint guys, showing your placing your goddamn rocks in an empty tank and then showing the progression of the plants growing is not the a not attractive phases I'm talking about here. I'm talking about, you know, when the water's cloudy, when there's algae growing, when fungal growth appears on your beautiful, expensive wood, etc., etc. It takes time for plants to establish a grow, time for the tank to go through the phases where things aren't established. Time. Yeah, it takes months to get a tank, any kind of a tank, truly established, regardless of what approach we take or what type of tank we're setting up. Yet as a hobby, we seem to fear this. We glorify the finished or presentable product, eschewing the developmental phases as if there's something to be avoided or circumvented. It's as if we're afraid to see a tank that doesn't meet some standard of what nice is. Don't be afraid to share this. And yes, lest you think I'm being a bit of a drama queen about this, not everybody on social media hides the process. Only about, oh, I don't know, 95% of us. So look, let's do a better job. What we've done collectively by only illustrating the perfectly manicured finished product is to give our brothers and sisters the impression that all you do is choose some rock, wood, plants, whatever, maintain, you know, put it together, do some high concept scape and bam, instant masterpiece. Yeah, there are plenty of people who actually think that. Why are we so fucking scared to show an empty tank, one with the not-so-finished hardscape or plant arrangement, the period of time when the wood may be covered not in moss but in fungal growth or biofilm, uh, one that perhaps has an algae bloom, a bunch of wood that needs to be rearranged, etc. That's reality. That's what fellow hobbyists need to see. It's important for us to share the progress, the process of establishing a beautiful tank with all of its ugliness right away. Not sharing this stuff does severe long-term damage to the culture of our hobby. It really does. It sends a dumbed-down message that a perfect tank is the only acceptable kind. I freaking hate that. Stop being so goddamn afraid of showing stuff when it's not perfect. You don't need anybody's approval, period. To all of us in Appeal, please stop doing this. Share your tanks in all phases. At least... Stop doing this without taking some time to describe and share the process and explain the passage of time required to really arrive at one of those great works that you guys show off. Share the pics of your tank evolving through its early, honest phases. That's the magic, the amazing, inspiring, inspirational part that is every bit as much as interesting as much as the contest entry pic that you guys love to share. And it all starts at the beginning. Stay patient, stay observant. Stay open-minded, stay diligent, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for listening to my rant today, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.